Today on Locked On Canadians, we are going to talk about Cutter Gauthier and we're going to talk about whether or not the Habs had a shot at him. And that is coming up in just one moment right here. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 989. We're so close to getting there, and today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That is $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn for details. My name is Laura Sab, also known as the Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by the wonderful Scott Matla. And Scott, we have something to talk about that may or may not be a bombshell, may or not, you know, may or not, may or may not be a reality, but certainly has Habs fans all in a tizzy. So let's first start with the trade that took place uh, between the Anaheim Ducks and the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. I guess we should backtrack a little bit. Uh, it appears that top prospect Cutter Gauthier told the Philadelphia Flyers he had no intention of playing there. Do we know why? So <laughs> it depends on who you ask because the Flyers got way out in front of this. Uh, they got their, and I don't want to call it spin to sound unfair, but their side of the story out first on this in that Gautier would not meet with Danny Briere or Keith Jones or anybody else at previous things to get in contact with them in that he didn't want to play there. Didn't want to go to dev or rookie development camp, whatever it was a, and so the whole thing paints him in a kind of spoiled childish light a little bit here. And then today the news came out that apparently Gautier had, you know, told them I want to play my year at BC and then move on and go sign with the Flyers and play professionally. Uh, like a lot of top prospects, so he was a top five pick. And the Flyers not wanting to have an overage in bonus structures and everything that would come with a high-end entry-level contract like Gauthier's would be, said that they didn't want to sign him at that point in time. Uh, Gauthier also through his agent today said there were, you know, family issues and why he didn't want to play with the Flyers. Uh, it's kind of a mess across the board here. It's no one's really coming out of this looking good. And it seems like there was a lot of bad communication across the board with all of this. And I think that's kind of where the issue is lying right now. Uh, Goche was obviously traded for Jamie Drysdale, former sixth overall pick from the Anaheim Ducks and a second round pick. So Goche now heads out to the West coast when he is done. Flyers get a defenseman that John Tortorella seems very uh, happy with. This the whole story isn't over yet, not by a long shot. Uh, I'm I don't want to cast blame in, in any direction because it just seems like everyone here is at fault a little bit in some way. And uh, some of the response I've seen going as far as someone saying this is Kevin Hayes's fault and getting what? what 
So yes, a site that I will not name because I refuse to give them any traffic for the way they treated our uh, sister site at the old SBN NHL when we were uh, being shut down is gross and terrible. Uh, insinuated that Kevin Hayes had his fingerprints all over Cutter Gauthier wanting to leave Philadelphia, resulting in Kevin Hayes waking up to death threats to himself, his family, and people saying he's glad that his brother is dead, which is gross beyond belief. Uh, this is literally the first I'm hearing about this. This and also, this is like, this is way out of proportion, like death threats to a guy over a rumor that probably is entirely baseless. I like, I was just going to say, you know, Philadelphia Flyers fans are miffed about this and I kind of understand why, but all of this, like, this is just like, it, it went from like the simple thing, like a guy wanting to play as soon as possible and it has turned into an international incident. And we haven't yeah. even brought up the Habs fans yet. And that's the thing about it is it's there's a lot that's probably not being said in this. And we will direct you to lockdown flyers as they continue to, you know, suss through all of this. They are fantastic at what they do. And uh, fantastic and we, people and worth supporting. Yes. So we don't want to take their shine off of this. That is just what I have seen as of my last check-in on all <laughs> of this. The hab side of things is where this gets interesting. Uh now so, this isn't fully substantiated, but it's it not comes being from... confirmed, but it comes from a source that both Scott and I respect and find reliable. And it's a person like a um, a media member who has a lot of integrity. So, Scott, do you want to read out what he said or do you want me to pull it up? Uh, I can pull that up real quick if you want to vamp for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is Charlie O'Connor. So we both know him. Uh, he has a long history of being reliable and truthful. Um, he's got like a lot of integrity and is not afraid to ask difficult questions and like to go there, so to speak, when necessary. Like we really respect Charlie a lot and he would not spread false rumors just to get attention. Yeah, I he has tweeted a lot about this. That is a lot of things on here. <laughs> Um, well, there's oh a lot going on. So um, there it is. Uh, from last night, uh, and this is Charlie O'Connor, and this is you know someone that we would you know trust. And that this isn't a hundred percent guaranteed to be the truth. We haven't seen it confirmed by a Montreal source, but enough that there would be in here. And it is. I heard a rumor that they quietly shopped Goche back at the draft, and it was one of the things he was chasing after today, Charlie O'Connor. That is, the rumor is also that he was offered between eight. Goche was offered between eighteen and twenty two eighteen to twenty teams in the last year or so and can now confirm that, yes, Goche was shopped. They tried to swap him for the Habs' number five pick, presumably to take David Reinbacher and ensure Mitchkov got to number seven, and Montreal passed on that. Okay, so in that scenario, um, they would have had both the number five and the number seven pick. They would have had both of these talented players, or like who knows if they were going to pick David Reinbacher, but Charlie seems to be implying that that's what, that was, that's what their plan was. Um, like, honestly, for me, like, I feel like there must have been more to it. Like, like Charlie said, he heard a rumor and he's been chasing it down. So when he says he heard a rumor, he's not just like, if it's somebody, some guy off the street talking to him, he wouldn't report it in such a way. It'll probably be somebody either close to the team or another fellow media member or somebody like that, you know, somebody who, uh, will anonymously maybe text him and say something like, I heard like that would generally be like a team member, somebody that and he has a good relationship with. So I do appreciate that he did qualify that he's chasing it down. I think for me, like my question was like, if you had Cutter Goche, like what else were you offering? Because essentially what the Canadians are doing are putting, like you, you pointed out, Scott, 
two top 10 picks or theoretically it, it, it would have been two top five picks because Mishkov is that good. Like, why would the Habs put two top five picks in the Flyers' lap if they're not if they're not getting two in return? And I think that's part of it is that it's like if it were Goche and seven yeah. to move up to five, okay, then maybe I'm a little bit annoyed that they didn't take that because you still get a top ten pick and technically another top ten pick out of it. But if you're the Canadians, I get why you didn't give up this current top five pick for it, right? And everyone's going to go, well, they could have gotten a forward instead of David Ryan. Well, if they were going to get a forward, they would have done it. I'm sorry. Yeah, they would have. I think that's the point that we're at right now is that if they were going to take a forward there, they would have, but they didn't. So I don't want to be mad about a hypothetical thing that may or may not have happened uh, with that and that we don't fully know what Ken Hughes was thinking with this. And it's not that he doesn't know Cutter Goche. He probably knows a lot of these guys coming out of the U.S. system very well. And maybe I mean, Goche... Goche is a player that was on everybody's radar. Like he wasn't a nobody. You know what I mean? Like, yes, he was drafted high, but there was a lot of buzz about him before he got drafted. Yeah. And obviously that was the year that the, you know, the Habs took Uri Slavkovsky first overall was the year that he went fifth. They did the research on these things. And I, I'm not going to get mad over what might have been. Would I like a player like Cutter Goche in the Habs prospect pool? Absolutely. Would I want to give the Philadelphia Flyers two top seven picks top five in let's that. say top five regardless Valuable. they would have had seven and five like i don't yeah. i do not feel comfortable giving them that unless there was a lot more added on to what that package would have been would it have been a first in another year would it have been more picks would it have been a defenseman a goal i don't know if it was just cutter goche for number five then yes you say no to that all the time uh it it would have been a move that we would have lambasted them for is that yeah you got a top five player out of it a top five pick but but not only and also remember they had given away two top picks as well for alex newhook in that alex newhook trade right yep so that would have left the canadians not drafting until you know the way the the, like mid second round right like yeah because they're early early, their early second round pick and their 31st overall pick or whatever it was yeah went for alex newhook which exactly i'm comfortable not making that trade now it's I'd be curious to see if there was more to it, but if Goche was the only piece there, I don't blame Ken Hughes for passing on it in the slightest. Like for me, like I think the big thing in my mind personally uh, is let's give Charlie a chance to chase down this rumor. If there's anything to it, he will report on it. We will get a bit more clarity and then maybe we can be mad after we know what the terms actually were. Like after he's had a chance to report accurately on the rumor that he's heard but in the meantime we are still going to talk about the flyers because the canadians have a flyers game coming up tonight at the time that you are listening to this and that preview is coming up in just one moment here on locked on canadians But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. It's getting colder. It's like the dead of winter. The NFL regular season is wrapping up. But there's still some time to get in on the action with FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers are going to get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That is $150 in bonus bets win or lose. And we are talking about the NFL, but that's not all that's available on the app. It's so easy to use. And there's so many ways to bet on all kinds of things. NHL, you know, I mean, I know we're not in Major League Baseball, but you know, as the weather gets warmer, we will be all kinds of sports. You can go out and fan duel 
and place bets and the different ways to bet honestly like if you are a football fan of football betting fan there's live same game parlays there's a new explore tab when you can find bets suggested for you uh you can make a parlay in the parlay hub and that is the best way to find popular parlays and so much more and as we get closer and closer to that big nfl game uh, this is really like FanDuel is the place to be. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL and of us. All right, Scott, there is a Flyers game tomorrow. Very, very topical. So um, let's talk about that. <laughs> Uh, in my three up and three down episode, I talked a little bit about um, the Habs coughing up leads. That has been a theme of a lot of their games as of late. I can't remember what how many it was when I did the analysis, but it was like, it was something mind boggling, like six out of the 10 games or whatever. And when I say cough up lead, I mean more than like two or more, not like every game was a 4-0 game or whatever, but like two goals or more. So what or and the other thing that I had that was down was that the Canadians still don't have a consistent style of play. Like I can't say that they're good at anything in particular right now. A lot of it has to do with injuries and having to do line shuffling and things like that. But are the Canadians like an offensively gifted fast team? Well, some nights are the Canadians a grinding defensive team? Some nights are the Canadians just an abject disaster? Some nights are the Canadians like looking like world beaters? Some nights. So I'm having trouble like narrowing down this team's identity. There's a lot of injuries at play and they just, they can't seem to stop coughing up leads. Well, here's the good thing. The Philadelphia Flyers power play is dead last in the NHL. Uh, and, and that clocks in at 10.8%. The Canadians power play is clocking in at 17.9, which is miles, miles better than that. However, the Flyers penalty kill is second best in the league at 86%. Don't expect to win this game on special teams. Uh, the biggest thing here is I think the Flyers under Tortorella play a style that we know is that they are responsible defensively and they are frustrating to break down a little bit here. Uh, the Habs are, as, as far as I know, mostly healthy going into this minus the other injuries that they have so far this year. Rafael Harvey-Pinard is traveling with the team. It is unclear if he will be playing or not. Uh, in this game, but he is traveling with the team. If he is going to be ready to be activated off of IR, they've already sent Gustav Lindstrom down to, on waivers. We'll see if he clears or not with that. I was uh, going to say, there's no, at this moment in time that we're recording this, there are no new known injuries. Is the yeah, way that as, of, as of right now, there are no new injuries. Uh, Tuesday night. The Flyers are having a good season, though. They're sitting second, or... Uh, that's second. My apologies for that. They are fourth in the Metropolitan Division. They're 2014 and six, 46 points, 14 regulation wins. The Habs are 17, 17, and five, and have eight regulation wins for 39 points. The Flyers games with the Habs always tend to be a little bit goofy. And I know I've said that a lot this year, but the Habs tend to get the better of the Flyers. The Flyers come back, Habs storm back win it at the last second, win it in overtime. Cole Caulfield loves scoring goals against the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, I'm expecting a big game out of him. I think that top line should have a really, should have an interesting matchup on their hands. Like Travis Konechny has been very good for the Flyers this year. Uh, Joel Farabee, Sean Couturier are very good. And then they get a lot of scoring from their defense, but there's some depth to this Flyers team for them to get points. Guys like 
Travis Sanheim, Owen Tippett, Cam Atkinson, Bobby Brink, Scott Lawton, you know, chips in the odd points here. And they're a feisty team. So stay out of the penalty box and don't give their power play a chance at all here. Uh, What's most and what's interesting the most to me is that in Philadelphia, Caden Primo is getting the start because, you know, that makes sense. His uh, family's old team there and they come back to play the Sharks tomorrow, which tells me that normally if there was a day off between the games here, you'd probably get Montembeau tonight and another one there to try and secure this. My thought is they're going to give Primo the rested team in front of him and give Montembeau the chance to play the Sharks with the tired team in front of him, but him being the more likely goaltender. Uh, if Harvey Pennard comes back, I can see the Habs kind of stealing this one. I, man, it's hard to predict because we don't know what Habs team is going to show up. The one that gets the 2 nothing, 3 nothing lead or the one that blows it in like seven minutes of ice time, you know, which, which way is this? It's hard to know which way this game is going to go right now, but I'm, I think we should see the Habs put up some goals in this one, which is better than then just rolling over and dying, I would guess. Yes, and you weren't here for the episode, like the recap episode of the Rangers, but I thought a big highlight of that was that the scoring came from where it doesn't normally come from, right? Like you, we, you yourself have pointed out, and we've talked that like the scoring just would come from the top line, and the top line was always doing everything they needed to do correctly, and it was working out. But then behind that, there wasn't all that much. And then you know, after we said that, Yoel Armia scored in two consecutive games. Sean Monahan scored off of. I believe that one was Elanen, or was it Jake Evans? I can't even remember anymore. There was Sean Monaghan, and then there was a um, a goal from, now I can't even, it was Brendan Gallagher. Yes, he had scored uh, for the first time in a long time. That one was off Jake Evans, sorry, uh, and David Savard. So, like, there was scoring that came from a different place. So, I'm really hoping that that continues. Whatever iteration of those lines Marty puts out against the Flyers, like, I'm really hoping that the scoring comes from not just the top line. Like, we're not doing a one-line game again or a one-line offense uh, in that game. And I think that's exactly it is I want to see, you know, someone like Yes and step up in this game. Maybe Emil Heineman gets his first NHL goal out of it. There's an opportunity here. The Flyers are a better team than the Habs are this year, but they are there for the taking. Both Carter Hart and Samuel Erson have been very good in net for them. But by the same token, so has Samuel Montembeau and Caden Primo in their respective roles this year. Uh if the defense can kind of keep it together a little bit here, if we get a good Mike Matheson game, which I know is a weird thing to say out loud, I think this is a an opportunity for the Habs to kind of rebound off. They've had some good games here. and Samuel Montembeau stole one. This is a chance here. They have the Sharks here. They can get a little momentum going here and build up the value of some of these guys again. Uh, if there's one person I'm honing on to have a step-up game in this one, though, it's Sean Monahan. Uh, I'd really like to see Monahan get on the score sheet a little bit. I think he's been quieter than expected, but with a team around him that has been, you know, beat up, going through injuries and stuff again, I think Sean Monahan, someone they're hoping can step up a little bit. He's got 23 points on the season, 10 goals, 13 assists, um, scored against the Rangers. Uh, got an assist against Dallas, but relatively quiet. Otherwise, I think this is a really, really good opportunity for Sean Monahan to uh, kind of re-cement himself a little bit here and get a couple of points in there. Uh, outside of that, I'd like to see Jesse Olin get on. Like I said, get Jesse Olin on the scoreboard. Have the defense, you know, not panic every time the puck is in their zone there. And use this to roll into that Sharks game. You're going to have tired legs. 
but build on what could be a very positive. Even if they lose in regulation in this Flyers game, if you show me all the things like they did in that Tampa game where you played well, good. No complaints. Roll into that Sharks game, beat the Sharks, and continue if you can with that. So uh, my, I'm really hoping to see something out of this. You know, Maybe not a game where the goalie has to steal it for the Habs. Can you all tell that I have not slept in three nights? <laughs> Those of you watching YouTube, um, I'm not bored at what Scott is saying. I'm just fighting the urge to stay awake. In the meantime, something that should uh, perk us all up uh, is Nick Suzuki. Some modeling predicts that he deserves the Selkie. And uh, Scott and I are a teeny tiny bit uh, smug about this. And that's all coming up. In just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. But first, this episode is also brought to you by Game Time. How often do you find yourself in a position where you find out someone you love is going to be in town, you know, whether it's an artist, it's a comedian, it's some sort of theater show, something, even a game, you know, that you've been angling to get to, and you have this hard time finding tickets. It's a mad scramble. You end up overpaying. And I am here to tell you that you do not have to do that anymore because getting tickets should not in any way be stressful. And so I'm going to tell you about Game Time because Game Time has flash deals and it's so easy to use. It is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. And what I mean by that is you can see the view from your seat before you buy. You know exactly what to expect when you get there. It's never going to be a surprise. You know, it's not like you buy a ticket expecting to see the game and then there's like a column in the way or anything like that. You can literally see it. And not just that. We all hate hidden fees, and there's so many apps and, 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 and sites out there that tack on all these fees, so you think you're paying one ticket, and then at the end of the day, you end up paying like almost double and sometimes more with all those hidden fees. With game time, you absolutely do not have that. The prices are all in up front, so you know that what you're seeing is what you're going to end up paying. And finally, it is just so, so easy to use because you can buy tickets in literal seconds with just two taps to take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-H-L for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, Scott. So <laughs> we're feeling a little smug now. You and I have always believed in Nick Suzuki. Um, we love Nick Suzuki, but there are a lot of naysayers out there. And all of a sudden, the naysayer models are are proving what is, is Nick Suzuki is a high value player with uh, worth his contract. So uh, <laughs> you know, I for one am stunned by this, and we. I have given a lot of flack to said person, but based on the athletic and using Dom LeCision's model, which I know giant grain of salt because all models inherently have flaws in them. The current best defensive forward in the NHL this season above Sam Reinhardt and Jordan Stahl and Alexander Barkov, et cetera, by this model is Nick Suzuki, which makes him the leader in by their, using this model to predict who wins the awards would be Nick Suzuki, uh, which to that, I say hot good. It's about time. Everyone else figured it out. 
And a lot of this comes from a good line mate, someone like Uri Slavkovsky and Cole Caulfield uh, in uh, on his line with steady line mates is creating a lot for him. Uh, Sam Reinhart and Jordan Stahl are right behind him, but him being up there with how porously bad the Canadians have been in some places. I love how you call it porously bad. That is fantastic. That is a fantastic description. If somebody ever asks me, what is the 2023-2024 Montreal Canadiens identity? I will say porously bad. <laughs> They've been, and like they bleed chances a lot. Which, that's what they you know, do. <laughs> and not all that's on Nick Suzuki. And yes, he could have been better. He was very good when he was starting out, when he was playing secondary minutes behind Philip Deneau, which, you know, of course, Philip Deneau is taking the hardest minutes and then you're taking the secondary ones. But I don't know if he'll stay in that race just because one team isn't winning or isn't winning like Florida's winning, like Carolina's winning. Like most of these awards, save for, you know, the Norris for Eric Carlson last year is they go to teams who are winning games. They're high caliber uh, teams. Yeah, exactly. It's just like the coach of the year is the coach who had the best goalie or surprised everybody with a winning <laughs> record this year. I, I don't know how far Suzuki will stay in there, but if he's starting to get the underlyings to get what we're seeing more and more, what we know he's capable of, it's another huge boost for the Canadians this year, looking to, improve their core pieces here nick suzuki winning the selkie or even being nominated would be a huge boon for the montreal canadians this year i think that proves that yes above all else he is a 1c in the nhl he will be the canadians 1c and that when kirby doc comes back we should see him continue to get better and i think that no matter which way you slice it it's good news for the habs I think so too. And I will say, I love the athletic. I love Dom. I learn a lot from him. Uh, but we have also on this show given him a lot of flack for not giving Nick Suzuki enough credit, right? It's not just him. It's his model. He always says it's his model. It's not him. It's the model, right? He didn't have that um, Nick Suzuki's contract as the most overrated or overpaid in the NHL. This, one, it was, this was when he first signed it, right? That extension. Um, so we have obviously rightfully criticized uh, his, his uh, Nick Suzuki opinions. Um, you can't just blame your model sometimes when you're really hoping that a player for that that is like the place for the rival of the team that you cheer for uh, comes up with some numbers. And like Scott said, all 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 models are inherently flawed because they are created by humans. And, you know, no matter what, your human bias is going to go into them. Uh, in the meantime, though, I do think that uh, this is quite telling about Nick Suzuki's talents. And then like for me, like I want to see what those numbers look like when the team is actually good and contending, like when he has that support, is it going to be like way out of this world numbers that we're talking about? Or is it just going to continue to be like, he's just like the bright spot, uh, but all the whole team or the rest of the team has caught up to him. So his numbers stand out less. Scott, do you have any parting thoughts before we let our lovely, lovely listeners go? Uh, my thought is, is that if he doesn't win or the numbers fall off, we're expecting, you know, trades to happen here in the team to change in you know, the next two months, you're going to see guys like Josh Anderson, protect, we hope Josh Anderson, bless him, but move the contract. Someone like Sean Monahan and Tanner Pearson, maybe someone like Yoel Armia, you're going to see players move from this team. That's going to change the lookup of it, and it's going to put some more pressure on Nick Suzuki. It's going to make the team inherently worse for the time being, so that if those numbers fall off a little bit, it's not the end of the world for that. 
We don't need to have an existential crisis. I mean, no, but this is the Habs fan base. That's what we're known for. We're already uh, having the crisis over Charlie O'Connor's reporting of a rumor. And and here's the thing with this is that it is this entire season is about making that next step. If Nick Suzuki is getting better defensively and Uri Slavkovsky is playing like we knew that he could, if they can get Cole Caulfield back on track, if they can find their true number two behind Samuel Montembeau, if they can establish more of these young defensemen, we've seen Jaden Struble do it. Can Justin Barron figure that out? Can Caden Gooley continue to live up to the hype around him? Can Arbor Jack guy get back to the NHL? And, and, and you're doing things right. Even if you're not winning the draft lottery this year, they're still going to finish as a bottom 10 team in the NHL. But these are all key building blocks here. And I know it is so boring and cliche to be like, well, it's a little bit of a building block. It's a little bit of this. Those are still important. Nick's blocks are the foundation. And that's exactly it is Nick Suzuki taking that step defensively to be that guy. Cause he's playing 20 to 25 minutes a night. Most nights you want him to still be able to be that rock for you. And even more so when Kirby doc is back, when you have a center, that is not Christian Dvorak at three C when you have all of these other things fitting in here, you have someone who's already done that work and improved in there. Long-term, this is the kind of season that you were hoping the Canadians have. They're still losing games but you're seeing the rapid improvement where it needs to be. And that's exactly it. And we will continue to follow all that improvement. We'll talk about that Flyers game. We've got some fun stuff coming up, uh, some draft-related stuff, uh, some maybe some more discussion about Nick Suzuki's underlying numbers and where he stands and all of that. And that's all coming up as we uh, go. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, uh, as well as on YouTube. You can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can eat, find us individually at our social medias. Scott is at Scott Matline at The Active Stick. Uh, you can send us mailback questions to LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. Please do so. Uh, you can also leave mailback questions in the YouTube comments. Just put mailback question or MBQ in the subject line or at the beginning as well. On uh, on Twitter, you can DM us or you can uh, reply to us or tag us with questions. Don't forget to do that. And before we let you go, remember that Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports streaming channel. And as for us, both of us will be back tomorrow to recap that Flyers game and talk all kinds of, maybe there'll be some more clarity on the Cutter Gauthier situation. Thanks so much for listening. See you all tomorrow.